Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Amen. Guys, we're going to get into it today. I'm excited about, uh, about what I what I. When I believe God is going to be speaking for us as a church, like my wife, Pastor Kara, was saying, we've been in a series talking about prayer, and, uh, and I think I have been, I guess I've been amazed at times, the more and more I talk to, not people that are new to faith, or people that are checking out Christian faith, or how to be a Jesus follower, but even surprised as I talk to people that have been Jesus followers for years, at how little we understand prayer, and um, and it's not that we don't do it, it's that we really, I, I, I continue to be surprised at the level of understanding we have when it comes to understanding who God is and how, how boldly and confidently we're able to come before him. And, but not even that, you know, we don't, have to, we don't have to have any fear and trembling about like, you know, is God going to strike me dead if I get too close to him because I'm a sinful, dirty person and, and, uh, and to that I would say it's okay. Uh, we're all kind of in that same group. God's working on us. We're all a work in progress, right? And, uh, but just understanding the, the opportunity, the dynamics, and the power that we have. And so I'm going to pray for you first. Um, I want to pray that God's going to kind of open up our minds, kind of clear, clear whatever's in there, open up our hearts, because God really wants you to receive something this morning. Is that okay? All right, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we love you. God, we ask in the moments that we have together today, Lord, that you would, ju- you would do just that. Lord, that you would clear our minds that you would uh, help our hearts to be open. God, any, any limitations that we may have, any barriers that we have put up uh, intentionally or even unintentionally, God, we ask that you would uh, help to bring those down today, God, because we know that you're coming after us, but with your love and with your grace, not with punishment and with judgment. Lord, you're trying to build a relationship with us. So God, let us be open to that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And I pray for all the Colts fans out there who are praying and fasting that, um, that their quarterback would change their mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyway, okay. Y'all see, y'all see that? Some of the Colts fans are like, what, what, you, what happened? Like, Andrew Luck announced last night he's retiring. I mean, I'm not a Colts fan, so that doesn't do nothing for me, but I'm just saying, if you are, that's, you know, good for him. Good for him for making that choice, I guess. Anyway, um, I'm going to read uh, a passage to you, if you will. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to the book of John. Uh, which is in, uh, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the four Gospels. Uh, we're going to go to chapter 14. If you don't have that, you have the, the Version Bible app on your phone. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, and if nothing else, I've got it up on the screen behind me, so we try to get everything covered, but it's going to be fantastic. So let me read this to you. This, this, is, uh, this is Jesus speaking, and this is kind of later in his earthly ministry, uh, his earthly ministry lasted for about three and a half years. And uh, so we're kind of, if you're in chapter 14 of the book of John, you're kind of coming towards the end of that before he kind of gets up to the point of, of uh, his crucifixion, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And uh, so he's having some pretty pointed conversation here, uh, mostly with, with his disciples. And so starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Somebody could probably just... Take that line and go home with it today. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, then I would, uh, uh, I would have told you that I am going to a place for you. 
When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Verse 5, interject one of the disciples who's confused. Nah, no, we don't, Lord. <laughs> I love it. Thomas. This is Thomas, who if, if you kind of follow along a little bit later, uh, he, poor guy gets a nickname, Doubting Thomas. Poor guy. Anyway, it's a long story. He says, nope, nope, question. No, we don't. Don't know where you're going, Jesus. We have no, <laughs> he said, we have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? It's great. Wouldn't you be so glad if you knew you had a short period of time with people that you were trying to train and you were coming to the end of the training period and you're like, hey, you know where I'm going, you know what we're doing. And one's like, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of what's happening here. Jesus told him, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, somebody say, known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. There's so much depth and revelation of what he's saying right here, but that's not what we're trying to get to today. And then Philip, so here's another one piping up. Thomas is struggling. And then Philip said, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, he said, what in the name of me? Anyway, <laughs> he says, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen the Father, sorry, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father. I love that. Just believe. How many things in our life could we just take that phrase from Jesus? Just believe. Yeah, but just believe. I will. I will. But um, no, just, just believe. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works or the work you have seen me do. Verse 12, I tell you the truth, like Jesus actually has to say that, but it kinda, you can tell he's going to make a point. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, comma, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name. Say, in my name. And I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name. Say, in my name. And I will do it. This is a, this is a very powerful passage. This is, for some, a very confusing passage. This, even for others, can be a controversial passage. I was reading some of the, uh, some of the you know, theological breakdowns that people do, commentaries, and, and, and even that one line, which this isn't what I'm talking about today, but I want to drop this. Even that one line where Jesus says that, uh, he goes, uh, you will do, you know, the, you've seen the works I've done, and you will do even greater works. And in this one commentary, it said, he didn't really mean you'll do greater works. I'm like, well, that's funny, because that's, how did you get that? Because right here, how, how? Why, why would you say that? I think we will do greater works. And it's not a theory. It's something that got proven, as you saw the disciples. Because as the disciples were following Jesus, they had zero clue what was actually going on. 
They were just following Jesus. They were his disciples. They thought they were in this, in this exclusive setup because most of the disciples were actually men that were rejected from the normal disciple uh, 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 program, if you will, in their culture. They were tradesmen. They weren't the wisest. They weren't the brightest. They weren't the ones that were selected at a young age. They were the ones that were told, oh, hey, you know, I, I see that you signed up for this program. You know what you should do? Um, fishing. There's a lot of money to be made in fishing. You should go do that, you know. And so, but Jesus went and picked all these individuals that didn't match up with all the other qualifications. And he brought them together. So now we're in this moment where they're, they're like, okay, we're following Jesus. We're watching him. We're watching him. And they spend so much time watching what he is doing, they're missing the very essence of who he is. And so here we are towards the end of his earthly ministry. And it, and it kind of seems like Jesus is increasing the rhetoric between him and his disciples of making sure they understand not what he wants them to do, not what he has been doing, but understanding who he is. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. And so quick question for you. Have you ever sucked up to somebody because of what they could do for you? Anybody? No, I didn't think so. You know, Bryce is one over here. Thank you for being honest. We're in church we're in church this morning. I have three children, 15, 13, and 11. And, uh, and our, ki- our kids are fairly affectionate. And, and, and we, have, we have kind of that thing going in our house. But, but there's a difference between the normal type of affection that we get from our kids and then this extra affection. You know what I mean? The, the affection that comes where you're like, this, you're, you know, you're hugging on me a little bit more than normal. And, and um, you know, oh, you know the, the special, the eye batting and the I love yous and and, uh, and, and, they, and they start saying stuff like D, and that's, that's what they call me. They call me D. And I don't even know when that started recently, but they call me D. They're like, D, have you, have you lost weight? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> D, your hair looks thicker. No, it doesn't. No. No. What do you want? <laughs> and uh, and you, just, you just know that there's, there's something coming, you know, because they, there's something that they want. Uh, but we, we, all, we all have had those moments whether it's been done to us or whether we're the ones that have done it to somebody else where you, you needed something, you wanted something, and so you tried to kind of cuddle up and snuggle up with the person that you thought maybe might be able to do that for you. And uh, so, okay, none of you. Okay, I thought I was coming to church to talk to people. We got a perfect church here today. So y'all, all right, well, let me have my verbal therapy this morning and uh, we'll be okay. Um, I know, so you've never done this, but I have. And, and I've actually, I feel like I've done, I've done this with, with God many times where I know that there's something in my life that I feel like I want. There's something in my life I feel like I, I need. And so for whatever reason, I feel like, you know what, God, God loves me. I think it's in here somewhere. The Bible tells me a couple times that God loves me. And I wonder how much he loves me. And I go up to God and I start asking all these things. God, man, it would be so great if I could get, you know, fill in the blank. It would be so fantastic if you could do this for me, fill in the blank. And instead of me having an appreciation for who God is in my life, I start to try to have a greater appreciation for what God can do for me in my life. In our prayer life, the way that we talk to God, uh, instead of it coming out of relationship, it begins to come out of, well, God's got something that he can do for me. And and here's the thing, like, that's not 100% inaccurate. Because who is it? It's God. Can he do it? Absolutely. He can do anything. We actually just read a scripture that said, ask anything in my name. We put the emphasis on anything. God's putting the emphasis on in my name. Because when we know who 
Jesus really is, it will actually begin to transform what we ask for through the identity of who he is. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. So, so here's, the th- here's the thing, real quick. When, when we, um, and, I, and again, I'm always throwing myself in this because I, 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 never, I never drop any of these challenge thoughts that I haven't actually either encountered or maybe, in all honesty, may still be encountering myself in my own life. But typically when we pray these type of God do this for me prayers, and, and, and if they don't always work out, we kind of tend to do one of two things. We treat God, number one, we come to him and we treat him like he owes us something. No? Okay. Um, and we, we kind of treat him in that same context of, okay, he owes me something, and, uh, and God, I'm giving you this opportunity to prove yourself to me. If you're real, you will, you know, come on, we've all, if, you, if you're, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a prayer, we'll do some, some praying for some liars at the end. If you're like, no, I've never done that, that's not me. It's probably over here, it's this guy. Or, or we, we come to God because we know he's good, yet again, we focus our prayers on what Jesus can do, and we treat him like, we treat him like a genie. The, uh, we have that Christina Aguilera theology. Anyway, uh, but usually when we don't, we don't get results from this type of prayer, and this is something that I've done before. When I don't get the results that I'm looking for from the selfish prayers that I'm praying to God, I actually begin to take it out on God for not doing what, what the word says he can do. And, uh, and so... I'm so grateful for the grace of God because I could have been smited so many times. Smote, smited, what's past tense? Smote, smitten. Now smitten's more like, uh, you know. Okay, anyway, I don't know. We just had a whole conversation on that. Anyway, we asked God, why didn't you do what I asked for? And I want to submit a different question to you. I want us to begin to, because it's okay to be real and throw all that stuff at God but to do it with the expectation that if his desire for what's happening is relationship over outcome, then we need to be open with what God's gonna do with what we've given to him. So here's a question I would submit that you ask. Instead of, God, why didn't you do what I asked for? Let's ask this question. Which way do I pray? God, which way do I pray? As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, that's actually the title for today. We're talking about when people pray. This is the title of the message today is which way do I pray? It can be so easy to focus on what we think Jesus should do instead of focusing on who Jesus is. And let me give you this statement right here. The true revelation of who Jesus is will be the catalyst to unlock all Jesus can do in and through your life, in and through your life. That's why you hear us say every single week, God is not interested in having a relation, I'm sorry, a religion with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Religion is what we all do to mess up the process of trying to get to God or some belief system. But being a Jesus follower, what Christianity is actually supposed to be is a humbling of who we are and recognizing that there is a great, powerful, loving God who is doing everything in his power to be able to create the moment that we will come and say yes to who he is. He's coming after us with his love and with his grace. So when we look in that, in that main text this morning in John chapter 14, Jesus, again, he's, he's kind of wrapping up his earthly ministry. Um, he's been with his disciples for three and a half years, give or take. And, and they, but they've been through some stuff. Like these, these 12 at this time, these 12 disciples, and, and maybe there's a couple of other fringe disciples as well that are kind of hanging on at this time. They've seen some stuff. 
Like they've seen Jesus do some pretty ridiculous stuff. Like they they've been through uh, with him when he's they've seen uh, they've seen the 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 blind get their sight back. That's pretty cool, right? Now uh, they've been with Jesus when he has uh, somebody who couldn't even walk. All of a sudden they're able to stand up and they're they're getting their dance on and they couldn't even walk just a couple of minutes ago. Or or somebody that has like a crippled hand. Jesus says, "Stretch forth your hand," and all of a sudden, boom! They look at their hand and everything's okay. Or, you know, y'all, y'all remember that? Like, you've seen those stories? Yeah, yeah, so, so does the crowd. The crowd remembers that, too. And uh, what, about, what about that time where, uh, where Jesus went and he raised Lazarus from the dead? Y'all remember that story? That was pretty cool. The crowd remembers that, too. And, and what, about, um, what about that time when Jesus was with his disciples and he's teaching, uh, the Bible says 5,000 men, but most people would agree it wasn't just men, it was also their family. So anywhere from 15 to 20,000 people. And he's teaching for days and he says, hey, these people are hungry, let's go feed them. And the disciples are like, that's a lot of people, we don't have... I only have my only have. I took this kid's happy meal. That's all we have. And he says, "Okay, well, have him sit down." And all of a sudden, they fed fifteen, twenty thousand people with just a little bit of food. You remember that? And so the crowds remember that too. And and it wasn't even much longer after that that, that Jesus did the same thing with just a slightly smaller crowd, four thousand men with their families, and and he fed all of them. And in both of those situations, there was always leftovers. It's easy to read through the Gospels at a superficial level and think that the ministry of Jesus was absolutely killing the game. It's so easy to just kind of read the red letters and the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read the accounts of, of, these, of these men that the Holy Spirit inspired to tell the stories of what they had seen and experienced themselves through the life of Jesus. It's so easy to just kind of read it at a face level and be like, man, he was killing it. Jesus, everywhere he went, he had crowds. As a matter of fact, if social media was, was alive then, Man, he would have had probably the most friends and the most followers ever. He definitely would have had one of those little blue check marks, you know what I'm talking about, a little verification. He definitely would have qualified for one of those because there's not a whole lot different between now and then. Because the, re- the reality is, is, that, is that then to now, just as, you know, we, we gauge success by how many strangers are our friends and our followers. So when we look at what Jesus was doing through the Gospels and we see these crowds, right, it says he couldn't even go anywhere without crowds following him. But you know why the crowds followed? The crowds followed not because of who Jesus was. The crowds followed him because of what Jesus could do for them. They were treating Jesus like, like, like UPS. You know, what can, what can Brown do for you? Anybody remember that? That campaign a while back? Anyway, that was an outdated reference. I'll write that down and not use that one again. Okay. <clears throat> The crowds wanted to get from Jesus, but most were not interested in knowing who Jesus really was. What if, what if we dedicated ourselves, like right now, your own life, yes, us as a church, but let's personalize this. What if we dedicated ourselves to going after the Jesus of the miracles instead of going after the miracles of Jesus? What if we decided that we were going to go after the Jesus of the healing instead of just going after the healings of Jesus? I would would step out on an edge and go as far as to say is that there are, you know, I hear questions all the time from people, and right now there's a lot of chatter and talk out in the social media world, like, how come we don't see the stuff happening like it's in the Bible? I said, I would would venture to say it's because there's a chance that in in the Christian world, and I use that term loosely, we have become so much more concerned about what we're getting from God 
than who he actually is. Because there were actually moments, like Jesus, everywhere he went, he did everything. Every, he healed all the sick, he healed. Yeah, there's scriptures that say that for particular places, but there were also scriptures that say he went to a certain town, and because they did not have faith, he was only able to heal a few. Because they didn't see him for who he was. They saw him for what they thought he was, which was the son of Joseph, a carpenter. Hey, here's his brothers and his sisters, and now he's standing up talking like this? Who does he think he is? And it says that they were offended by him, and he was only able to do a few miracles. So I wonder what would happen in our world and what would become the reality of our own lives is if instead of pursuing a prayer life that was constantly going after what Jesus can, can do for us, we set all those things aside for a moment, for a time, for a season, and, and decided that we were going to dig after that intimate relationship to get to know just who Jesus is. Because here's something that is, that is a guarantee. If you go throughout Scripture, you go through the New Testament, you read the Gospels, you know what's kind of cool is that the more you get to know Jesus and the more you get to know God's Word, and then you go back and you start even be, to begin to read like Old Testament stuff, all of a sudden you see Jesus popping up in the Old Testament. I don't mean by name, I mean by identity, by character, by heart. All throughout the Old Testament, if you've read through it or if you've studied even some of it, you see the, you know, the, the, the prophets that God spoke to, the major and the minor prophets in those books, and, and you see some crazy stuff happen. And if you don't know who God is, you can start asking yourself, man, if that's who God is, I don't know about that. But I just say keep reading because what you see is God continually coming back to people and nations and groups that would reject and disobey and rebel and never give God the time of day, yet God continued to come back to these people groups and so that he could redeem them to him. Why would he do something like that? They never wanted him because God loves them so much. That's Christ. That's the message of the New Testament. That's the message of the gospel. But if you really think about it, that's just the identity of who God is. And so, so we, we have this prayer life and we talk about, hey, if you're going to, you know, you got to pray. MC Hammer, you got to pray just to make it today. Another outdated reference, but it still works. But you got to understand something is that, yes, pray. And even if you're going to pray by mistake, just keep praying. because. But don't let your pursuit of who God is stop in the process. Because sometimes we get our, our prayers answered and then we only to realize that the answer that we got, which is what we prayed for, wasn't actually what we wanted and not actually what we needed. But we asked for it and we got it. And now we're having prayer requests to God saying, God, can you fix this? And God say, why do you want me to fix it? You said you wanted it. Nobody. Okay. All right. All right. We're just having fun. That's all we're doing. What if our passion for Jesus was more evident in how we follow him than in what we demand of him? So verse 6, verse 6. So this is the one that gets quoted all the time, right? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Like for, for Jesus followers, when you get into one of those fun, uh, you, you're not looking anybody in the eye, but you got conflict on Facebook. These are the ones that we like to use where, where people have an argument and we, don't, we're, we haven't researched it enough to actually debate it you know, at, with, with intelligence. So we're like, well, if Jesus is the truth, bam. Emojis, random emojis. Hashtag truth bomb, you know. And then we just kind of walk away from that, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's, not what, that's not what that quote was meant for, right? That's not what Jesus, he wasn't trying to pr provide us with, with, with octane for social media arguments by saying that. He was trying to help us understand who he was and who he is. But I, I want to focus not on the way, the truth, and the life. I want to focus on these first two little words that pop up. Because these first two little words unlock the revelation that you and I need, that our world needs. Those two words, three letters combined. I am. 
Why is that so important? Why is it so important, these, these two little seemingly insignificant words, I am? I'll tell you why. Because in every moment of life, every challenge, every trial, every struggle, every failure, Jesus is all sufficient in everything that you need in those moments. So the reality of who God is doesn't mean that it's going to be the absence of these hard, challenging things happening in your life. The presence of God being all sufficient doesn't mean that you're never going to have a failure. The presence of Jesus in your life being all sufficient doesn't mean that you're going to get to the end of a month and not have enough money to pay the bills. It just means that he's there and he's trying to get your attention because if you would put your eyes on him, he's going to lead you to a place and to solutions for where you are that you need. And that's good news. That's good news. Jesus, I need healing. Jesus says, I am. Jesus, I need friends. I feel like I'm all alone. Jesus says, I am. Jesus, I need wisdom with my family. I need wisdom with my marriage. I, how, do you raise, how do you raise kids? I don't, I don't even know how to raise kids. Nobody gave me the book, and I read another book, and it was terrible. What do I do? Jesus says, I am. Now check this out. Let's, let's go back in time a little bit. I am is the name in which God first identified himself in the book of Exodus. God spoke to Moses and called him to lead the people of Israel out of 400 years of slavery out of Egypt. And, and let, me, let me just read it to you right here. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Moses said, he's having this conversation with God, which that, that sounds cool, right? But, but for real, he's having this conversation. And God said, Moses, go do this, and it's going to be great. We're going to take him out of Egypt, promised land. It's going to be fantastic. And Moses said, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them that the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? And then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. No, this is not Popeye. This is God. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God as I am is communicating to us that there has never been a moment where he has not been present. That there has never been a moment in eternity past when he was not present. There's never been a moment in your past when the I am has not been present. There's never been a moment right now, we watch the news, we look at what's going on around us, we're like, everything's falling apart, everything's going to hell, everything's busted, God, where are you? And he says, I am. And when we're stressed out about tomorrow, God, I don't know, I don't, I'm barely making it today, God, I, I can't do tomorrow, can't do it. I don't know, I don't have what it takes to get through what I'm going through right now. This week ahead of me, I, I don't have the capacity to do what God says no. Because in your future, I am. Let me give you just a couple of more scripture references here to kind of paint the big picture. Because what I, what I hope, as a pastor, what I hope is not just that you will be a, a praying Jesus followers, yes, but, and not just that you will be Jesus followers that read the Bible. Yes, like I want you to know, like the word of God will open up and illuminate who God is. But, but I want it to become something that becomes tangible and like hungry, hungry inside of you to, to know him more. Not to just know about him, but to, but to know him intimately. Genesis chapter 1, 1. It doesn't really go any more back than this moment, right? Genesis chapter 1, 1. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. The word Genesis means beginnings. And it says, in the beginning, comma, God. 
I, I know that in all of our, our minds and in science and in the complicated world in which we live in, we're, we're still trying to, to be able to create answers for absolutely everything that's in front of us and make sense of everything within God's creation. And we, in, in some perspectives, are trying to do their best to, to remove God from all aspects of creation because the reality is, is if we can disprove God, then we can also stay away from accountability. If we can prove that God was never there, then there's no reason for us to be accountable for the decisions of our lives and we can do what we want and you can do what you want and, and I don't have to be accountable to you and you don't have to be accountable to me. But the reality is, and this is the beauty of what I see in creation, is that the more that people who are so much smarter than me continue to dig in and dive in to try to find truth in those areas, not with a lean to one side or the other, they ultimately find themselves right before God. That's the most beautiful thing when I see. I don't even like it when I see Christians that go into the science stuff already with a predisposition to a certain thing, and then they, because they start getting weird about stuff. And then you have the other side, which I just kind of talked about. They already say, God's not real, he's not real, so we're going to prove something that proves that he's not. I like people like, you know what, I don't know about that, and I don't know about that. Let's just look at stuff and see what we find, and boom. Wow. Turns out God was there. So whether it was six days, seven days, a million years, a billion, a kajillion, I don't care. I just know that God did it. And I just know that God opened up his mouth. And I know that in the beginning, he was still the I am. Before we could even begin to count time. John chapter 1. Now, John was one of Jesus' followers, one of the disciples. Um, he even said of himself, because if you're going to write a book, hey, that, that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. You might as well say that about yourself if you're going to, you know, he just kind of took some liberties there. But apparently maybe he did. But John was, he, on purpose, he went and took the, the symbolism and almost like a poetic uh, a combination from Genesis chapter 1, how he opened the letter that he wrote in the book of John. So in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, the word, which is a, a, a word there is actually logos, which means it's like the inspired, the living, breathing word of God. It's a reference to Jesus. In the beginning, the word already, already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. You see the, the combination there? If you go to chapter 14, he's still trying to explain to his disciples, well, where's the Father? And Jesus is like, listen, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. We are one. If you have seen me, guess what? You have seen the Father. Sure, what does that mean, Jesus? <laughs> what does it all mean? He's like, how, how else do I have to say this to you? know. So in the beginning was the, was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. It says that, that there was nothing that was made except through him, Jesus, the I am. The I am who's trying to be the I am for you today was the same Jesus that was the I am in the very beginning. Everything that was spoken through the word and by word into existence was done through the I am who's trying to speak life into your life as well. <clears throat> Because Jesus is the I am, check this out, guys. Some of y'all need to just kind of write this down, make this a declaration for yourself. I can have complete peace and confidence in my entire being, my body, my soul, my spirit, because I know that Jesus will always be there and will always be everything that I need. Check that. I think, did you miss that? Listen, did you, I think you missed that. Jesus won't give me everything I think I need or want, but he himself will be everything that I need. A praying Jesus follower has power in their prayers when they pray based on who Jesus is, not just in what Jesus can do. Another reference here later, 
In John chapter 11, we see, we see that whole situation taking place with, uh, with, uh, with Lazarus, and which was a close friend of Jesus, and, and his sisters, and they sent for Jesus, hey, Lazarus is really sick, doesn't look good. And, he del- and Jesus purposefully, if you read the story, purposefully delays his arrival and response because he knows that Lazarus is going to die, not because he wants his friend to die, but he even says later that, that this has been allowed to happen so that, so that the power of God could be revealed among you. They were still believing that Jesus was a healer, which he is. But they were looking at Jesus for what he could do for Lazarus. Jesus wanted to take it a step further to reveal more of his identity so they could begin to understand more and more who Jesus is, not just what Jesus could do. And it says in verse 25, and this is when he's having a conversation with one of the sisters who's trying to be gracious, but she's emotional because she just lost her brother. And she's like, Jesus, if you had just been here, he'd still be alive. And it says that Jesus looks at her, and he says, I am. Look, there it is again. He doesn't doesn't say, I will. He doesn't say, I can. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. See, we're we're believing for God to, 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 to help us in our life, which you should. That's not inaccurate. But what we also need to take a step further in our faith and in our understanding of God, and even of life in general, is that it doesn't end when this life ends. Because even after our breathing stops and even after our physical journey in this world stops, Jesus continues to be the I am for you. Because listen, we have, here's the whole thing. Paul says this in one of his letters, that the whole thing that we have going in this whole Jesus following thing is wrapped around the reality that this life is not it, that because Jesus rose from the dead, that for those who put their faith in Christ, there will be a resurrection of the dead, that this life, the death can't stop us. It didn't stop Jesus. It won't stop those who put their faith in Jesus. And so we believe with firm conviction that when all this is over, when we stop breathing, when we're put into the ground, when people are mourning us, that it's still not over because we have hope of the resurrection of the dead. And Paul went on to say, he's like, hey, if that ain't true, then what the heck are we all doing? That's my paraphrase. I don't think he actually said that, but if it was in modern English, he would have said something like that. But anyway, <clears throat> Jesus is, listen to this, he is the resurrection. It's not he gives resurrection. He is the life. It's not that he just gives life. He is life. So let's take that a step further. Let's think about some of the other. We're not going to do everything, but Jesus, he gives salvation. No, no, no. He is salvation. Jesus gives grace. No, Jesus is grace. He is love. If he is love, it means he's not capable of hatred because it would violate the very identity of who he is. He is love. So on your worst day as a dirty, nasty sinner, Jesus loves you. Why? Because it's who he is. And so when you mess up, he's not looking to throw a chair at the back of your head. He's looking at how he can get in there and get his hand Guys, check this out. Check this out. God's whole purpose, God's whole purpose from beginning to end, from Adam and Eve all the way up to the very end when the trumpet blows and, and all the crazy stuff that we don't understand from the book of Revelation starts happening and, and all, all that, and we get, we, we're, we're joined together with Christ, the dead and, and Christ rise first, all that great stuff. The whole purpose is because God wants a relationship with you. 
Can you just imagine the greatness of the love of God of everything that he has done and gone through just to make relationship happen? How much does he love you that all throughout creation and the fact that you and I are literally barely even a blink in the scope of eternity, that God by name would know you, that God by name would call you, that God by name would go to the cross for you. I'm fully convinced that even if you were the only person that ever existed on the face of the planet, that the, 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 the process of salvation still would have gone forward. Jesus still would have given up his life for you if you were the only one. I think sometimes we think about the righteous people are like, well, you know, Jesus died for them. I mean, because he's not thinking about me. No. As a matter of fact, when he was up on the cross, some of the very last interactions he had as a demonstration of love and grace were to the criminal on his right and the criminal on his left. The ones that actually deserve to be there, spoiler alert, that's you and me. We're the ones that deserve to be up there nailed on the cross, but Jesus did it for us. And there's one guy mocking him because, you know, we've done that. And then the other guy says, what the heck is wrong with you? We're up here because we deserve it. And he says, Jesus, will you remember me? And deathbed confessional, right? We got to stop judging whether we think people made it or not. Just because you, don't, you, thought, you think you lived a better life than somebody else. This criminal, we don't know what he did, but we know that he knew he deserved to be where he was. And he said, well, you, hey. I think this is real, but when you get there, will you remember me? And he looks over with whatever energy he has, bleeding to death, and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. How cool is that? How amazing is that? Come on, God is so good. Listen. When we pursue, when we pursue Jesus as the I am, we're pursuing relationship with him. And this doesn't, listen, if, you, if you're hearing what I'm saying, this doesn't mean stop asking God for stuff. It means when you come to him, just have an open heart. Because here's the beauty of God is that the more that you're pursuing him intimately, he, he will actually continue to change and transform your heart. To the point where if you're asking the wrong way, the grace of God will actually lead you and teach you how to ask the right way. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God did not answer so many of my prayers. I have prayed some dumb stuff. I know you have. I'm just kind of being honest with you guys. I have prayed some dumb stuff in my life. Things that I wanted, things that I wanted God to do to somebody else. And I'm so glad that he didn't answer my prayers. But I'm so glad that he eventually, because of his love and grace, captured my heart and brought me to a place where for me it was no longer about what am I gonna get from you, God? It became about how can I be with you, God? So glad that God doesn't just give us what we want, but he gives us what we know that we need. You may go on a date with someone because you think they're hot, but you're gonna marry them because you fall in love with who they are. And, and God can become appealing if you begin to look at all the things that he does and who he is. And, I mean, who doesn't want to be in a relationship with someone who's going to unconditionally love you and unconditionally give you grace? And every time you mess up, they're not going to walk away. They're going to unconditionally forgive you every single time you come back to them. Who wouldn't want that? That's, that's a hot God. <laughs> Never said that in my life. 
but he wants you to fall in love with him and spend the rest of your life with him because you're falling in love with who he is. Wrap things up right here. Can we become a praying Jesus following people in church who are seeking after the I am and not so caught up in the I, I will? I think this whole this whole focus that I feel like God has been putting on our church about prayer. And if you haven't heard some of the other ones, just hop on our hop on, you know, search up our, our podcast because I want you to listen to it. There's Every, it's had kind of a step to it. Every, every message has been something where I feel like God's been downloading something to bring us to a point from the very first one that talked about how we need to humble ourselves and position ourselves before God and, and re- repent really of, our, of what we have done and continue to do and, and humble ourselves and begin to pray with faith. And it says that at that moment, we, we actually give God permission through our actions to begin to move on behalf of our prayers all the way to the point now where, where we're wrapping up kind of the serious thought saying, God, let us not be caught up just in what you can do for us. Let us be caught up in who you are. Because ultimately your growth as a Jesus follower is going to be completely wrapped up, not in the things that God does for you, it's gonna be wrapped up in the intimacy revelation of who God is for you. We're trying to get God to fix our marriage. God wants you to know who he is and invite him into your marriage. We're trying to, to fix our kids and we're trying to, to you know, and, and instead of dealing with the real stuff, we, we're putting, we're putting a, a, a bandage fixes on parenting. We're allowing public schools to raise our kids. We're allowing other people to raise our kids because we're, we're afraid and maybe because we weren't shown ourselves and, and we're saying, God, will you fix my kids? Will you fix this situation? And, and Jesus is saying, will you invite me into the room with your kids? Will you help me begin to, to, will you help reveal me to your children? We want God to fix our finances and we want God to give us a promotion and we want God to give us the, 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 the thing that we see on the other side because you know, the grass is always greener and, and we want God to help us to get over that fence and, and God's saying, listen, you, you're not being faithful with the things that I've given you now. Why are you trying to get me to take you to another place? Why don't you just invite me into what your current situation is? I hope somebody walks out of this room today understanding that your prayers have power. But I'm telling you that what unlocks the power of your prayers is when you start to relate to God for who he is. Keep you bow your heads? I wanna finish off with these few verses <clears throat> that it's always been a question where people are wondering, how, how do I pray? Even his disciples that walked around with him, they, one day they said, Jesus, how do we pray? And he says, okay, this is how you should pray. And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Set apart be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins, Lord, as we continue to forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.